You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. I had a real-life experience with weeds growing. Uh, and several of you may have had that as well. Uh, I'm guessing if we t- did a show of hands, though, probably 90% of you would say, I have a nice yard because I live in McDonald County and things conditions are just right. A lot of us have nice yards, right? I do not fall into that category, at least when I first bought my place. So uh, we, a few years ago, decided to purchase uh, a house and some land here in Anderson and when we first pulled up to the place, we were like, wow, that's a really nice home. We were really impressed by the home. But let me tell you what we were not impressed with was the lay of the land. Because we live on a hill, and it has, it's filled with oak trees, which are very acidic to the soil, right? And there's lots and lots of rocks. So I, I know you obviously have experience with rocks around here because uh, rocks seem to, seem to grow plentifully around here. So we have lots of rocks. Uh, we have lots of acidity in the soil. So when we moved, when we first were moving in, I mean, we we're talking weeds that were four foot high. And I'm not lying. If Amy were in here, I would verify with her. I don't see her. But we were, we were talking weeds that were four feet high. And pretty much no, like, real grass. Okay? Weeds are not grass. And so we go in there, and I just start trimming it up. Long story short, it's been almost four years and we're still working to try to get a yard and still trying uh, painstakingly to try to make things look good so that we can have a soft place, a fun place for the kids to play. And so uh, last year we, we spent some money to try to get the grass growing. We brought in some dirt uh, and we were told after they seeded it, we were told you need to make sure that you lime this every six months. Y'all know what lime is, uh, limestone, uh, ground up, and it helps to, to helps with the pH of your grass and so, or of your soil. And so we, we, we were going to lime it six months later, and like let, four months later, the grass just completely dies. And it's like, oh my goodness. And so we've learned that we, we need to cultivate the grass a little bit differently and maybe put more lime on more uh, frequently. And so to grow grass, believe it or not, you have to have the right conditions. And to grow the right things, the things that you want to grow, plants, grass, you don't want to grow weeds, right? And so, but weeds have a tendency to kind of take over if you're not careful and if you don't really work the land. So the conditions have to be right. Uh, you have to put effort into it. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes money. And so facilitating growth is determined by the right conditions. Uh, you have to have the right amount of sunlight, the right, right amount of water. You have to cultivate it, all those kinds of things. So we're talking about that spiritually this morning. We're talking about growing in godliness. Uh, and so there are ways to cultivate that growth, and that's what we're going to spend our time on this morning. Um, when I ask myself or another person, are you growing spiritually? We have to ask ourselves, what does that really mean? What does it mean, are you growing spiritually? 
Um, does it mean is your cup filled up? Are you, you know, going to church? Are you doing good things? Well, you know, we could go all, all different directions. Um, but when I say it, I'm referring to our relationship uh, with and becoming more like Jesus Christ. I'm talking about becoming more like Jesus Christ. Um, because we're called Christians, right? Which means Christ-like. Um, and so 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to turn in your Bibles, that's where we're going to spend a lot of our time this morning. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Um, verses 7 and 8 refer to this becoming more like, like Christ. They call it training ourselves to be godly. Training ourselves to be godly. And just to give you a little bit of context, uh, right before we get to, to verse 8 in chapter 4, they're talking about all these things that uh, the people are trying to do because they're familiar with it in order to try to be acceptable to God. And basically what he's, say- what he's saying is, you know, these rules and regulations you're trying to follow, they're, they're not going to achieve for you what you think they will. And so he says, instead, you should train yourselves to be godly. The second half of verse 7. And so we need to have a combination of the right conditions and the right approach in order to experience growth spiritually. Um, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, Godliness has value for all things. Godliness has value for all things. Um, so we're going to go on. We're going to read the rest of that passage in just a second. But it says, Godliness has value for all things. It makes sense for us to strive to be godly. The word godly means that we forsake sin and that we exhibit instead the character and the attributes of God, right? Um, this is not at all to say that we can be like God, that we can fall, we can fall for Satan's trap and think that, well, if I know, I, I can know between the difference between good and evil, and I can choose good, and we can try to do it on our own, but that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Godliness is not something we can achieve by simply trying harder. Um, it's not a sudden change in behavior that um, once we pray a certain prayer, everything's good uh, or anything like that. Godliness takes practice. Godliness takes practice. It says right there, it says, train yourselves to be godly. That doesn't imply to me that it requires no training, right? It doesn't imply to me that. Um, I can't expect to run a half marathon with Ryan Phillips. He asked me a few months ago, and I said, uh, let me think about that. No. <laughs> but I can expect to run that half marathon with Brian if I don't train in advance for it, right? It says in verse 8, physical training has some value. So I have to train if that's what the goal is in mind. Um, truthfully, I would probably die if I tried to train for that kind of, of length. And Brian, just a week ago, ran, he ran 13 and a half miles in preparation for this 13.1 he ran yesterday. Feeling good today, brother? Yeah. How are those blisters? Okay, okay. So it's tough, uh, but I think Brian would agree. He had to run lots of miles to get to that point, and he had to build it up slowly over time. He had to train in order to get to that point. Um, physical training has value, right? 
Yeah, of course it does. We would all like to be in shape and stud muffins like Brian. We'd all like to have this nice physique, but we'd also like to feel better, right? And physical training helps us feel better. Brian doesn't feel good right now, but he will. The more he continues to, to train and continues to, to work out and things like that. So um, it helps us handle, whoa, it helps us handle the demands of life that involve our physical stature, right? We can handle more things physically if we're in shape, and it just feels better. So, but guess what? What we do for our bodies won't last, will it? It won't last. Um, These bodies are eventually going to be gone, and they're going to be decrepit, and they're going to be old at some point, right? Uh, You've seen people with tattoos that they got when they were, 20, right on their belly or wherever. Looks a little different 30, 40 years later, doesn't it? Looks a little different. So, but let's look at the next part of the verse. Let's look at the next part of verse 8. It says, Godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And the life to come. What a blessing. So we can invest ourselves, we can invest our lives in becoming godly, and that's an investment that's going to hold on into eternity. It's not going to stop here. It's training ourselves not only for this life, but for the life to come. Isn't that awesome? Verse 9 reiterates it. It reinforces it. It says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Full acceptance. And then verse 10, it says, that's why we labor and strive. This is Paul talking. And man, he labored and strived, didn't he? He worked at being godly. And so he says, that's why we labor and strive, because we've put our hope in the living God, who's the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Especially of those who believe. Um. So Paul's saying this is truth, and that's why we put our effort into it. It's worth the strife. Godliness is worth our efforts. Um, So does that sound easy to you? Does laboring and striving and going through some of those same things that Paul went through? If you search, if you look through the Bible, he went through all kinds of stuff. He He was shipwrecked. He was bit by a snake. He was uh, treated terribly. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. All these things. So it's not easy. Um, Preparing for eternity takes practice, and practice involves commitment, right? Practice involves commitment. That's one of the words that we need to take away this morning. Um, if we're just wishy-washy and we're just here one Sunday and there another, and if we're, you know, uh, we want to be godly one day and we don't want to the next, we're going to have a tough time because it takes training, it takes consistency, it takes commitment. So we've established that godliness has much value. But I want to stress to you verse 10. Just real quick, before we move on. It it could sound like right there universalism, but it's not. What it's saying is that God 
is the Savior of all people because he's made salvation available to everybody. There's nobody that can't come to the table. There's nobody that can't receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And so if you're here today and you haven't fully embraced that and you haven't accepted that truth, then you will not spend eternity in heaven. But if you do, you will. That's what that next part is, especially for those who believe. This isn't universalism. This is a beautiful picture of what God has done for the whole world. And then it's up to, we get to make the decision. We, get to, we have a free will to be able to make that decision. So, again, godliness has much value, and godliness is worth the strife. It's worth the effort. But how do we achieve godliness? What are the proper conditions for growth? Timothy, some of you know, Timothy was a young fella, kind of like me. He was a young guy. And um, sometimes I think I'm younger than I am. My, uh, um, a few years ago, we were forming this young adult life group. And so I was talking about young adults at my, at my job all the time. Uh, got to go to young adults. Got to see how we can reach these young adults. And my secretary goes, Matt, you're not a young adult anymore. It's <laughs> like, man. But Timothy, he was a young guy. He was a young fella. And for that reason, he had an uphill battle. Uh, he had an uphill battle. But God had placed him right where he was for a strategic purpose. And he was not to let that stand in the way. We all have weaknesses. We all have limitations. Right? Maybe you're not the best uh, speaker. Maybe you're not the best uh, at, I don't know. Maybe you're not the best at just being outgoing. Or maybe you're not the best at uh, whatever skill it is that you need. Um, But we all have limitations. There's nobody in here that has just unlimited potential in any area, right? And so the same thing applies to us. Even though he's talking to Timothy right here and he says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. You can fill in the blank. You can say, don't let anyone look down on me because I'm old, You can say, don't let anyone look down on me because um, I don't speak very well. Right? Don't let anyone look down on me because I don't have very much education. You could fill in the blank. But we're not to allow those limitations to keep us from becoming godly. So, despite what the world may tell us, those weaknesses, those limitations, are not our identity. Our identity lies where? It lies in Jesus Christ. It lies in Christ. And his power is made perfect in our what? Weakness. His power is made perfect in our weakness, not in our strength, not in the the power that we have or the wisdom that we have or the abilities we have. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Verses 11 and 12. Let's move on. It says, command and teach these things. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Not only don't let it hold you back, but set an example. Set an example. And so 
let's take some time this morning to look at each of these areas that godliness can be displayed. Okay? Speech, conduct, uh, love, faith, and purity. Um, as we do this, let's keep in mind that our hope lies in God who saved us. Right? It lies in him. It's not in our own abilities. And that, that, re- that gives us the second word that I want you to really remember this morning, and that's, that's surrender. It involves surrender. If we're going to grow in godliness, we not only have to have the commitment, but we also have to have surrender. Surrender. Um, so in speech, that's obviously referring to what we say, right? Uh, I, have a really, I have a favorite life verse because I think our words are so important. Uh, and it's Ephesians 4.29. One of my favorite bands is named after that verse, Building 4.29. Many of you have heard, heard of that band. Some of you haven't. Uh, but Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That it may benefit those who listen. Guys, what we say is so important. It is so important, and it can be godly or it can be ungodly, okay? It can be godly or it can be ungodly. I once worked with a gentleman that he would say, he would use filthy language around the kids we were working with. He was, we were coaching, and one time I said, hey, man, I just, I need to share this with you, and I shared that verse with him, and he did not get it. He was like, He's like, oh, so it's whatever you think's wholesome. And I said, uh, to a certain degree. And he's like, well, you know, the kids talk like that, so I feel like I need to kind of be on their level. And so I cuss just to, just to make sure I'm, I'm staying on their level. That's a tragedy, people. That's, that's not at all what, it, what it's saying here. You have to take the context. Um, you have to take um, God's word and measure your words with that, rather than just saying, oh, well, I'm just trying to be relevant, or I'm just trying to, to, to reach them. I'm trying to be on their level. So, again, to an extent he's correct, but we have the Spirit to help us identify what's wholesome and what's not, right? And we have God's Word. God's Word gives us very clear guidelines on our speech. Um, there's not much room for... Um, Interpretation. Um, it speaks against lying. It speaks against gossip, which is sharing things about people, whether it's uh, maybe not, maybe it's not trying to defame them, but it's just something that doesn't need to be shared, right? Uh, it speaks against gossip. It speaks against slander, which is talking negatively about a person, slamming them. Um, it talks against filthy language, and it talks against Cursing our brothers and sisters. Cursing our brothers and sisters. In James, he says, he talks about the tongue in verse 3. He just is on a roll. And he even says that the tongue is itself set on fire by hell. So we're talking a very serious issue with our tongues. But, he, but one of the things he says is he says, um, we have cursing, our, we're cursing our brothers and we're praising our Lord. And that shouldn't be. Right, We shouldn't be praising the Lord one second or on Sunday 
and then cursing our brothers and sisters on Monday or the next minute. Um, so use scripture as a guide, uh, not just for a reference when you're curious, but as a guide. Use that to guide what you say. Um, so moving on. So speech. It's important. It's an, ask, it's, a, it's an area where we can be godly or we can be ungodly. Uh, the next area is conduct. Conduct. Maybe we talk the talk, but do we walk the walk? Do we walk the walk? Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. This provides a tremendous amount of freedom, if we look at it in the right way. Freedom. It's not about rules and regulation. We have, a, we have freedom to let Jesus govern what we say and what we do. Um, God's desire is not for us to not enjoy life. Not at all. That's totally contrary to what the Bible teaches. He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to have the fullest life possible. And we can have that. We can have that. We can thank him for the grace that he's given us. And we can do things that honor and glorify him. What a privilege to be able to represent him. And it's only because of God's grace in our lives that we would want to live for him. Because of God's grace, because he reached down to us. Not us reaching to him, but he reached down to us. And so the context of Colossians 3, I just love it. If you, if you, ever, if you want to find some reading this next week, look at Colossians 3. Um, there's some, some really, it's a really great focus uh, for the freedom. It talks about the freedom that we have. The freedom we have to, to set our minds on things above not on earthly things. It talks about uh, the freedom that we have um, to have peace and to, to give the message of Jesus to others. We have that privilege. And God calls us to do that. So what a blessing. We have the peace of God. We have the message of Christ. And that's what motivates us to thank God by living our lives in a godly fashion. By letting that govern our conduct by letting that govern everything we do and everything we say. See, most of the good deeds that we will do are things that will occur during the course of a normal day, right? They're not things necessarily that you have to look for. They're things that occur during a normal day. And you could sit there and you could say, well, man, I really don't want this interruption right now. There's lots of times where I'm sitting in my, in my office at my desk and I've got, you know, 17 things going on, and my desk is just filled up with stuff, papers, and I'm pecking away at the computer and doing this and that, answering emails, whatever, and somebody comes in, and they need something. Another thing, you know? And it's like, oh, you know, I could, I could see that as an interruption, or I could take pleasure in serving them. I could take pleasure, and I could honor God in, in how I handle that situation. I could get up and I could say, hey, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Because I would love to help. Right? Yeah. So 
the challenge is to, to change our mentality so that those occurrences are not seen as interruptions, but as opportunities to do the good that God has planned for us to do. The Bible says that God has, has planned for us the good works that he wants us to do. Right? And we can take comfort in that. He saved us, and we are to trade our old, ungodly, and selfish deeds for good deeds that God has planned for us. It's not about what we have on the agenda. It's about what God has on the agenda. Right? It's about what God has on the agenda. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, and it just keeps going. I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but verse 10 says that we are being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, Circumcised or uncircumcised, Royals or Cardinals fans, Mizzou or Arkansas fans, black or white, male or female, but Christ is all and is in all. Christ is all and is in all. So what we do isn't about who we are as far as like our status. It's not about what we've accomplished It's not about any of that. Um, It's more of a reflection of our hearts. What's the condition of our hearts? That's a question that Pastor Matt's been very concerned with, and quite frankly, I appreciate it. I mean, what's the condition of our hearts? What's driving us? What's motivating us? Because the things that we say and do are going to come from that. Whatever's motivating us, whatever's driving us. And so the next three, I'm going to kind of group those together because I believe that they have more to do with the crux of the matter um, and I believe they have to do with our motivation. So our evaluation in heaven is not going to be about the good deeds we did. It's going to be about whether we did them in the name of Jesus or not. That's what it's going to be about. Um, Verse 23 says that we should work at it with all of our hearts because it's for the Lord and not ourselves. Whatever we do, we should do it. We should work at it with all of our hearts. That takes effort, doesn't it? We should work at it with all of our hearts. Um, And that keeps us from boasting. And it also precludes being the judge of others and what their motives are. We don't have to worry about that. If our focus is right, if our motives are pure, and we're going to talk about motives more, um, moving down to, to the last three parts of this, love, faith, and purity, right? So we should be godly in the things we say. We should be godly in the things we do, right? Those are outward things. But what about the inner? Love, faith, and purity. Love, faith, and purity. Um, These qualities reveal what our true motives are for striving for godliness, and without these, you don't have godliness. You just have deeds that you're trying to do. I don't know if you're trying to make a name for yourself or if you're just trying to win the respect of everybody, but 
what's our motive? Is it, is it focused on ourselves or is it focused on God and others? Um, that's what we have to look at. Um, Galatians 5.6, which is a really, good, it's a really good passage. It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. That is the crux of the matter. That's the important part that all this hinges on. Because, again, godliness isn't about us. It's not about being more acceptable to God. God's made us acceptable because of Jesus. But it's about letting him, his qualities, these qualities flow through us. Do our hearts reflect a desire to magnify God above all else? Um, If we don't truly love God and others, then our words and deeds will reflect that. Our words and deeds will reflect that. Instead of building others up, we'll be tearing them down. Um, If we don't truly believe God and his promises, which is faith, then we won't consistently honor him with our lifestyles. There's just no way. When things go bad, we won't be godly. Um, If we don't allow God to purify our hearts, purity, if we don't allow God to purify our hearts, our actions and words won't be pure either. Um, So these are qualities that are so important. And if we... Guess what? If, if you don't desire godliness, like if you're just sitting there and you're thinking, I really don't, I don't, I don't want to give up myself. I want to be, I still want to, and I have a hard time wanting to be godly. Um, I think it was Paul. Yeah, he said, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't do, I want to, I want to do. You know, it's just, it's like all these, there's, we have conflict and we have an inner struggle but it's okay to ask God for help. It's okay to ask God to change our motives. That's what he delights in. He wants to hear from his people. He wants to hear from his children, and he wants to help us. So as we strive for growth, we're going to experience some growing pains, right? Um, It's not all easy-peasy, and we are going to fail at times in displaying these attributes of godliness. We're going to struggle but I believe that's why Jesus said we should count the cost before we choose to follow him. Because following him involves those two words I've, I've said this morning, commitment, and it involves surrender. It involves commitment, and it involves surrender. Um, again, it's not about what we do. It's not about um, being politically correct in what we say. But it's about allowing love and faith and purity to govern the things that we say and the things that we do because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of what he's done, he motivates us. He paid the ultimate price for us. Um, We couldn't have done it. There's no way that we could have walked our way back into a relationship with God. There's no way that we could earn that or deserve that ever. So Jesus did it all for us. 
That's the gospel. Jesus did it all. And so we can rest in that. We can be born again. And we can live our lives differently because we want to, because we desire to, because God has placed us right where we are for a reason and he wants to use us. Um, so I have some challenges to those of us that want to grow in godliness. I know that I do. Um, but some of these things, they're, they're a tall task. You know, honoring God with our speech, honoring God with the things we do, and making sure that we're doing it with the right motives is tough. But there's three things um, that I want to challenge you with this morning. Um, first of all, believe the gospel of Jesus wholeheartedly. Believe the gospel of Jesus wholeheartedly. And if you, you can't do, if you struggle with that, ask God to help you with your unbelief. Because it takes faith. We have to have faith. Um, the second thing, the second challenge I have for everybody is rely on the word of God as your guide for what you say and do. Rely on the word of God for what you say and do. Again, that takes faith, doesn't it? That takes faith. And the third thing is submit to God's spirit on a moment-by-moment basis. Submit to God's Spirit each moment. Man, it's tough to lay down our selfish wills. It's tough to set that aside and to ask God and His Spirit to guide us and to flow through us the love and the purity and the faith that we need to live this life and be godly. So we have to submit to God's Spirit on a moment-by-moment basis. And guess what? He will change your heart so that you're loving God and loving others with a pure heart. Again, the only thing that counts is what? Faith expressing itself through love. And so when somebody asks you if you're growing, I hope your answer can be yes. I hope that you're working toward this. I hope that because of the love that Jesus had for you, because of the love God has for you, he sent his only son for the whole world, but specifically you, so that you could have a knowledge of the truth, so that you could have eternal life, so that you could have forgiveness for the wrongs that you've done. And that's a huge, huge blessing. You don't get that anywhere else. You don't get that anywhere else. So we're going to close this morning. And I would just ask you to be honest. Be honest about your limitations, your weaknesses, your fears. Be honest about those things. And if you truly want to grow in godliness, first of all, if you don't want to grow in godliness, but you kind of do, ask God to give you that desire. Does that make sense? If it's hard to have that desire not... Not here, but when you leave here. If it's hard to have that desire, ask God to give that desire to you. Because he will. I believe he will. And if you are here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you've not made that decision to rest on him only for eternal life, this is a great opportunity to do that. So I encourage you and I plead with you to do business with God this morning. We're going to listen to a song. Um, this morning to kind of close and I would just ask that you sit there and if you're willing to surrender and if you're willing to commit 
Do that honestly and openly before God during this time. If that means you need to come up here, feel free to do that. If you want to sit at your chair and just hold your hands out and surrender, do that. If you just want to sit there with your head bowed and your eyes closed, do that. Okay? This is an opportunity, this is a chance for us to honestly do business and deal with God and with our hearts. So I'm going to pray, and then we will, we will start a song. Father, we come to just want to thank you um, for the grace you've given us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel and the truth, God, that we can be restored in a right relationship with you because of what Jesus has done. Thank you for the righteousness that Jesus provides. God, we can't even have the faith we need without you. And so we pray that you would give that to us this morning, God, that you would help us, each and every one, to do business with you honestly this morning. And we love you, and we give you the credit. In Jesus' name, amen.